0: My one experience with sheep in my games, a giant got turned into a sheep, another giant picked up, and threw it at the player. Ooh. <laughs> the sheep then uh, reached zero HP and turned
1: right,
0: into a giant. It turned back it was, into a giant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Right next to the little cleric.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Dungeons & Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Danny K at Dungeons & Dance. Today, we talk about homebrew content, player trust, upgrading chicken and waffles, and more. If you want to hear more of my conversation with Danny after this episode, or just want to support the podcast in general and help fund future endeavors, consider making a donation over at patreon.com dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to exclusive bonus minisodes every single week. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So if you enjoy our conversation today, head on over to patreon.com slash Dinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome. Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we are joined today with a special guest, Mr. Danny Kaye. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, for the uninitiated, I'll go ahead and open the floor to you. If you want to take a couple of minutes and tell us uh, who you are and what you do and how you are in the TTRPG space.
0: Yes, uh, oh, that's a tougher question. than It should be, um, <laughs> but I am Danny Danny Dungeons and Dans, That's my name on Twitter. I make homebrew content for D and D Five E uh mostly subclasses mostly creatures that sort of thing but i've i've got some spells magic items i I dabble with a lot of things i get bored just working on one thing uh in particular so i always sort of dart between them depending what takes my fancy for the time being so i'm I'm mostly just a content creator i push my stuff out on twitter share works in progress you know that sort of stuff um and i generally enjoy just interacting with everyone i've met some great people through the Twitter sphere, as, as they call it,
1: Twitter has been uh, just amazing. How welcoming the community is on Twitter. I've you know been in a few other communities, had a couple of other profiles in the past, never really got very interested in when like in Twitter as a platform Mm. and I still don't tweet a lot uh but I don't get a lot of grief for it either though so (laughs) but everybody else I am constantly like browsing so much crazy awesome good content out there that yeah love it
0: yeah it was surprising I didn't I didn't think Twitter could be so well As as good as it has been, to be honest. Right. It's just nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I had a personal Twitter that I just used to follow like a a few accounts. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take the plunge. I've made D&D content for a while. I'll just go into D&D Twitter and it's just been welcoming. It's been great. No,
1: It really has. It's really awesome there. How you you said. So you've been making content. How long have you been producing content for D&D?
0: So like I've only started publishing this year. But okay. I have been making stuff pretty much since I started DMing. I started getting into D six years ago. Uh, okay. I think I've been making homebrew stuff for about five years.
1: So that makes sense. So did you get started with six years ago? I'm, I get a date myself and I hate it. But it was was five e six years. Ago. Did you start in five
0: e? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, with as with a few people, I think critical role started watching uh, that. Yep. I, was, I had yeah. a week, finished graduating uni, I was just there for a week with nothing to do, and I was like, what's what's this? Uh, and I ended up just getting hooked. D&D's always been close to my, like, hobbies, and I've always been like, oh, that's interesting, but nah. And then watched Critical Role, got hooked, started a Pathfinder game where I was a player, and then uh, decided I wanted to play 5e. Nobody was running it, so ended up DMing. And then the rest as of the one time. does. That's, yes.
1: many DMs start their path on like, gee, I'd love to play, yeah. but nobody <laughs> around here is doing it, so well,
0: I guess I'll try. My friend also—it was a sort of double tap almost—because she she did the one thing that would make me do it. She was like, "You'd be good at this," and that appeals to my ego. And straight away, I'm just. I'm like, yes, I would be, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's. I'll prove this. you right because I know <laughs> yeah. you're
1: right. So yeah.
0: So the one way to get me to do anything is just appeal to my ego, and I'll jump in the deep end, and then I'll it'll be too late before I'm having second thoughts. So I'll be like, I'm too. Uh, might as well go through with it now. It'd be really great at cooking me dinner tonight. That's what I'm saying right
1: now. <laughs> So, um, so you get started, your, your ego is appeased. Yes. Um, now did she do that? Cause she wanted to play in
0: it. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of um, what I was gathered there. Yeah. She, she had some friends that wanted to play. Um, I wanted to play, I guess they didn't want to DM. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I wouldn't say forced upon because I actually genuinely love DMing. It turns out, right. but I never thought I would, but I ended up just, uh, falling into it naturally and just enjoying myself and but yeah uh, it was the rest is history like i said so
1: have you been kind of a forever dm since,
0: or Mm. do you get to you know play in some games and dm others i I i'd say i dm most of the time i dm weekly and i have two sessions like every other saturday so it's basically i dm the same players so it's basically um
1: oh nice so you've got the same group of
0: people but yeah. two separate campaigns that they're running in yeah and i've i've sort of done that uh it started because i had one long-running campaign that sort of had a hiatus i then went to curse of Strahd and ran them simultaneously but yeah i another guy in the group started dming a couple of his campaigns sort of fizzled out unfortunately uh, and then a few of the others have dm'd mini well i was gonna say minia but smaller campaigns uh, and So I get to play every two weeks now, every,
1: every other Friday. Okay. That's a really good balance. I I think you're probably the first person so far that I've, that I've talked to that has such an even balance. It's, you know, some people DM occasionally or have, you know, you know, it's usually weighted one or the other, but to literally be like every other week I DM and then every other week I play that's,
0: that's. Awesome. Congratulations. You've got like the holy grail. Thank you. I mean, I do want to play more, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get at the moment.
1: Hey, half half is not bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so
1: um, I'd like to kind of transition over a little bit. So COVID hit a lot of people very hard um, with you starting in 5e and that kind of being the same time as the dawn of a lot of I like internet tools, um, were you, did you do a lot of in-person things or, or I guess I should say, did you do a lot of online things before the pandemic? And did you find yourself, were you able to transition,
0: you know, through the pandemic? I've, I basically hit lucky cause I've been on throughout, uh, since the start, I've done one in-person game and that's because my, we had the very fortunate time where we had the whole group sort of get together. And I I ran like a mini campaign in that in a week. And uh, that's the only time I've done it in person. So naturally, it was was, it's basically been the same half of the course, really, for for all the pandemic for me, fortunately.
1: Now, I feel that I was uh, I was already working from home for about a year or close to it before things hit. So I I just found out that my lifestyle was called quarantine. That was about all it changed. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been and like an online DM the entire time. Is that kind of by nature? Is is your group spread across the globe?
0: Yes. Yeah, we've got people, America, Canada, over sort of here in Northern Ireland. You know, so it's uh, it's it's pretty across the pond.
1: That's really cool. So, in terms of of online play, um, maps tend to be so much more kind of intricate and I think there's a lot more freedom in it's a drag and drop creation of maps is something that I really enjoyed. I, I had DM'd quite a bit, you know, maybe about 10 plus years ago and then took a long break. Um, and then when I came back, I instantly grabbed, gravitated to online maps because I was like, I don't have to hand draw things or like deal with a, a dry erase board or anything like that. Do you find yourself, you know, using a a lot of different online tools for that or do you kind of have one centralized place where you do map making
0: well i've only i mostly just love patreon i'm just like oh map makers galore there i'm just yes oh man any time i can support a great map maker i'm like in there straight away so i mostly just have like this massive backlog where i'm just like these great map makers have made so many things. I don't know if I can use them. I'm going to try. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, I, I make the occasional map if I, if there's something very specific that I need for the for the circumstance. But mostly I find that I can just throw anything in. Uh, so that's where I get, or we'll draw that sort of side of things from.
1: No, that's awesome. I think that it's, it's always one of those things where if I get stuck in a campaign and I need I need to change the plot somehow or kind of change the direction of the campaign, what I thought I was going to run, you know, the players sheet ripped or win a different direction or whatever. I think that going and finding just a random map and just looking at some of the glorious artwork that's out there, mm-hmm. eventually I'll get an idea.
0: Yes, I mean, that's that's some of it. Sometimes I'm like, okay, they're in this environment. I've got these maps. What here can I use? And then sometimes that leads into sort of a whole inspiration of a, a side quest or an arc or, or even just a fun session, to be fair.
1: Do you find yourself in, in a similar fashion taking uh, like adventure guides and one shots from other like other DMs or like Patreon or things like that or Reddit is a great source and kind of incorporating those into your campaign piece by piece or do you as a homebrewer prefer kind of generating all of your content?
0: Oh, no, I'm shamelessly I, I will use anyone's work um but no i love going through the dm's guild and just seeing you know like any one shot or anything like that that inspires me i mean one shot compendiums are sort of my bread and butter i'll, I'll see them and i'll be like this is great i've got even if there's only one or two things in there that's a nice side quest i usually adapt them uh, you know for the nature of the campaign but I right. yeah, it's, it's, change NPC names and stuff yeah so you know it's set here now maybe I don't right. like one aspect of it I just swap it around but it's it's a great it's a great that's one of my main DM advice is just look at other people's work use it incorporate it obviously don't call it your own but, right um you know don't take, try to resell yeah. it <laughs> yeah, exactly. but like look to see what what works what doesn't for you and it can it can I mean that's how I started I, the first ever thing I ran was just a one shot I found and it built on to a campaign so I I love using other people's great work because I mean I have I have ideas but people think of things that I just I'm just like wow <laughs> I wish I right. thought of that
1: yep I, I I a plot hook with a transition to a cliffhanger and then a twist <laughs> why didn't I think of the tweets (laughs) um so so speaking of one shots i kind of have to ask because it's my personal favorite it's fairly famous have you ever run the
0: great sheep chase i have it i have it in my uh folder of quests to run and i've not got there yet it's so good i
1: love running it because it's just it's just goofy enough to get like a couple chuckles but just serious enough like it starts in kind of a serious manner and so it's, it's kind of a it's a good way to throw players for a bit of a loop and
0: yeah. see how they react to things I, I like i said i want to run it so much things i've just never had the moment i i it's just been one campaign was set in like a high stakes arctic setting right one, one's like a political intrigue serious conspiracy theory thing going on and the others like been in they've been in the plane of water from like in-game in-game a couple months three months or something not going to be encountering a sheep at an <laughs> end exactly. so maybe when they get back and because my players probably hate me at the moment they're just wanting to it's, it's that classic cartoon bit where the the person's at sea for so long and then they get to land and they start kissing the like you know the <laughs> they land i think that's what they're going to do when they get back to the material plane they're just going to be <laughs> so thankful that they're not there anymore oh well, let's wish them well on their <laughs> journey then <laughs> what what good Thing to introduce you know a bit of goofiness maybe throw that in
1: yeah they get they get back to the inn they're they're ready to get a long rest at a beer <laughs> and then
0: sheep <laughs> exactly what 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 a good intro to sort of a quest just and sheep that's it, yeah, that's all and, need. it exactly it's anywhere that you can put a sheep arriving
1: <laughs> it, you can run the great sheep chase. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the, the genius behind it is that they don't have to go anywhere. It comes to them. Yeah. Um. So you've, you've written a lot of homebrew content. You've, you've run a lot of games obviously for, for five, six years going on now. Um, but you said you started publishing about a year ago. So what drew you to taking uh, it, what I see, at least what in my closet as notebooks and binders full of homebrewed content and taking that leap to format them and put them online
0: yeah this so i whenever i've made monsters or creatures i put them on i don't know if you've come across the home brewery or gm mm-hmm. binder. yeah yep. i just put them on there so I, i've got a fancy stat block um and with subclasses uh it was sort of the same i except for i I had one period where I was like, why don't I start a creative exercise where I just convert old subclasses to 5e? And so I did a hundred of them, as, as you do. Pretty wow. I was just like going, I was like. That's you know, a lot. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how I had the time, but I just sort of posted in like our, our group discord. I was just like, which of these sounds fun? I'll do, I'll do four of them today. And then. Good uh, lord. Sort of, I mean, I don't know if they're all good well uh,
1: yeah but still it's still <laughs> a lot of you get a lot of you get your reps in real quick
0: <laughs> well, yeah. so so a lot of the people liked those in the group and then when i made the twitter i you know shared the creatures the, the subclasses and got some good feedback and i was like well why why not uh was it know.
1: mostly like 3.5 subclasses and yes or, or well, is there prestige, prestige classes yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I i loved some of the prestige classes there are some good ones i thought well some of these have the flavor i don't know if they have the obviously the mechanics don't translate as well how do we you know convert them or change them up um i'm a, I'm a big fan of not necessarily like converting faithfully because right it gets a bit muddled like a lot of the prestige classes were like you can cast this spell you can at this level and then you can class this yeah. and i was like this is just you know if you're a wizard you can already cast this spell so right how can i make a you know, it, you'd have to create features to make that subclass's flavor fit, and it was fun. I just had fun doing it, and then people liked it. So you were good at it. <laughs> well, good. Well, yeah, I, I. Yeah, that is good. You know, what? I'll say right. If someone, yeah. if you make something that someone else enjoys, that's good.
1: It is. That's what you I. I that. If only one person enjoys, a yeah, hundred people can still hate it. Yeah. If <laughs> one person likes it. I could it's still good to me. Well, exactly. Like, <laughs> so fun. yeah. Um so you would you had started converting these things and yeah. and you were already putting your again, you're kind of ahead of the curve in already using a, a home brewery or a GM binder to build your fancy stat blocks. I I have notepad paper. Converting yeah. that over takes that's a lot of effort to convince me oh. to, to bring those in. <laughs> I mean, I
0: mean this is this is definitely for like just for the video, but I will, sh- I have two notebooks full of creatures right here that I'm showing you right now. It's. A, I'm, I'm giving the very lovely audio journey. <laughs> there, but, there's a blue one
1: and a black one. They're spir- yeah. They're actually pretty fancy. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're, uh, nice. they're pretty yeah. nice. Um, there's some quality
0: notebooks. So they, they are, well, one's full and one's halfway full. So I did, you know, the painstaking part of just writing through them first. And then, then I was like, now I'll convert them. Onto Homebrewery, and then I'm like, I prefer GM Binder now. So now I have to right, re- yeah. reconvert them.
1: brewery is <laughs> not really updated anymore. It's kind of dead. It works, but yeah. it's it's. I, I do it
0: if I need something quick, rough. It does the job. Yeah. GM Binder lets me do you know fancier things, and a lot. But of it's also I... a little more more complicated. Oh yeah, so. I was going to say I've, I've been in tutorials for CSS so much more since using it. Um, <laughs> but like a lot of the things I actually everything I've published is from. Using GM Binder, so it's it's good. It's enough. interesting
1: the things we learn as DMs from like calculating <laughs> weight and weight of masses of like how much volume does fifty pounds of marshmallow <laughs> fluff fill? <laughs> like
0: yeah. the stuff we all the way to, to research. Yeah, it's all great. the way
1: to how do I format CSS code <laughs> exactly?
0: I I've done everything from like researching what frostbite does to someone horrible don't recommend yeah. reco- oh. <laughs> uh to just discovering that there are different types of mountains i guess that's how i i never uh, geography was my worst subject at school that's so fair. like learning all that stuff was just not my thing so i'm like there are fold mountains i don't know I was just like, these are beautiful
1: yeah that's i you're already past you've already mentioned terms that i don't recognize so i'm right there with you
0: <laughs> well, exactly i was just like fold mountain i know what this is now
1: they're great. I, I love them. I knew mountains. I mean, I, I figure there's probably like I know there's like mesas. Those are kind of mountains, exactly. but you know, outside
0: of that, I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna show too much of that out here. So. But it's kind of great what we do learn as DMs. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's asinine, not needed. It'll be this session only, not just out of the mind. But sometimes you you find stuff that you genuinely kind of want to learn more about. So it's how how many good.
1: different ways to say strike hit <laughs> bite <laughs> yes. the the amount of
0: thesaurus lingo that we pick up is <laughs> oh exactly <laughs> it's all co- combat oriented now <laughs> most yeah mostly, most most uh, of it <laughs> in, my, in my group's case I I also do there are some unfortunate plays so I do have to also learn miss uh, uh, you know, yep. with it yep. you have to find all those <laughs> as well. And then it's always great to uh, to adopt things like yeet, um,
1: you know. When you when the barbarian can yeet the dwarf, that's that's a pretty
0: good experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Got the, you know, immersion and like fancy language for like the medieval uh, aspect of the game. That's all fine and good, but sometimes you just need to toss aside that and just go, yeah, this giant yeet. My one experience with sheep in my games: a giant got turned into a sheep, another giant picked up and threw it at the player. Ooh. <laughs> the sheep then uh reached their HP turned, and turned right, into a giant. Turned back was, into a giant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Right next to the little cleric. <laughs> oh, so, that's, that's fun time. That's the that's the one experience with sheep in my games.
1: <laughs> I uh I can only imagine like you're like trying to keep distance and you're like well, polymorph them and then that <laughs> yeah. just that just r- turns
0: around very quickly, and now you're surrounded by giant. <laughs> exactly. That, that's the one thing that the player hadn't really experienced. Whenever I run a giant, they will pick up the players and use them as weapons. Any time yeah. I can use a giant, that happens. And this poor unfortunate player had just never experienced a giant in one of my games. And a Somewhat intelligent monsters yeah. are scary to some players. Oh, exactly. And
1: monsters that run away from combat. Like, like you always you, know, you hear DMs tell players a lot like, well, you guys can always run away or you should have run away or whatever. And it's like a monster or a group of monsters like you, you take them below half and they're somewhat intelligent and they drop tail and run like suddenly it's a chase scene. If the players feel like they have to do it and it's a moral like you have six seconds to decide. Yeah. Are you going to slaughter these whatever they are? Uh, Are you going to let them run? Are you going to let them get away? Especially human NPC players. Like, it may be a fake run, too. They may be running back to a line where there's hidden archers, or they're pretending to run to force the players to chase for some reason. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Intelligent enemies. I love running intelligent enemies. So
0: Yes. Like, I I think, well, for the last few campaigns, it's mostly been humanoid for me. Uh, Unintentional, but... I found that it's so much more fulfilling as a DM, at least for, for me and anyone that I guess I'm not necessarily a combat-heavy DM, but I do enjoy. I'm I'm a sucker for like XCOM and other like stra- turn-based strategy games. Yes, yes. So for me, this is like another turn-based strategy game. So when combat goes, I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, so I will I've got enemies will, in Overwatch. Yeah. I've got yeah. <laughs> so and it's and when you get the intelligent creatures, I used um, I sort of hybrided. That's not a word, but I, I sort of adopted Close enough. <laughs> um, Out of the Abyss, one of the sort of Demon Lord like side quests for that, and use it in one of my arcs because one of the players is Fungal. Uh, it was a Fungal Druid, so Zogtomoi shows up. Uh, and that was, a, that was a great one. 20 intelligence? I was like, I've never had this much power. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, the, the character that had the tie turned into a giant ape, polymorphed, that gives them a negative one charisma. Who has teleport that uses a charisma save? Zogtomoy and her just vanished from the battlefield. And everyone else was just panicking. So yep. I love it. I love using those. And I'm not afraid to. I know some DMs. I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a stigma to sort of really throw your players under the bus sometimes. And I'm not right. advocating like go go out and slaughter them.
1: No, it is, it is kind of a fine line between because... It's less about your intent as a DM and more about trust and player perspective, because there's a lot of times, at least depending on the chunk of players, I can't say a lot of times, depending on the chunk of players, there may be a tendency to lean towards the DM is trying to screw us or it's DM versus players. And so having to build that trusting relationship where like, I'm not intending, like my goal is not to defeat you. But then also allowing yourself that room to say, "Yeah, but I may grab one of your party members and teleport across the planet
0: <laughs> with a <laughs> yeah." You're you're like level ten. This is a level a CR twenty three demon lord. You're one on one. To be fair, Zaktmoi didn't want to kill. She just wanted a bridesmaid. And ah, there we go. <laughs> but, but I do. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. There is this trust uh, that a DM has to establish and like it i think that moment was it was one of those moments where everyone was panicking but also that afterwards it was sort of like that that was pretty intense and those moments are great and obviously this is the group i've i dm i've dm'd for a while now so we've played plenty of games together I, right I probably like not a that.
1: first uh, yeah, not would... a first encounter you want to have probably not like even second or third encounter some unkillable thing yeah. is probably not what you want to throw at your players well
0: exactly uh so i would yeah new player comes into the campaign okay oh wait we're against the demon lord but i've been teleported away what is this oh yeah i would un- absolutely understand the concern about that but you know these my play my players are great they lean into the sort of RP and the, the failures and, and it's just great when you can trust them to not I guess see it as a betrayal and they let you you know, within reason take the story where you need to take it or want to take it and it's great to have that trust with them and they trust that you will give them a situation that they can overcome and that's what it's all about really uh whether it's overcome you know successfully as heroes or they all got captured and have to be freed from some horrible thing and have to jailbreak or something that's not happened yet. <laughs> either way is that a little a... foreshadowing i hear uh, maybe no I'm, I'm throwing another demon lord at them tomorrow so they're, they're not to... <laughs> it's, it's a bad time it's a bad time i'll say that that's fair <laughs>
1: um i i think that it is an interesting like once you have that established trust and you have a group of players that are willing to kind of give back in a way to the story to to lean into rp and things like that i think that that's when there's so much more that you can do with a game yes like like building up to that point you want to use some one shots, you want to use some cliches and some tropes to get everybody comfortable and to let everybody know that, you know, how you your style of play and the the player's style of play and getting everybody comfortable. But once you hit that comfortable moment, that's when you can start leveraging that either. And it doesn't always have to be in like a negative way, but yeah, also yeah. in a leveraging it in a positive emotional way, like leaning into character backstories and giving them experiences you know that they can have on all ends of the spectrum but i think it just really opens up that kind of vulnerability to get into the game and maybe treat it as just like a little bit more than a game not a lot but just a little bit yeah. and kind of leaning into that i think that that's where you get a lot of the really beautiful moments in in dnd
0: oh definitely um I, I i don't i want to give a bit of a, an anecdote here for Sort of an example of like one one of my players was a warlock, and uh, she worked out this backstory with this you know a complex relationship with this enigmatic patron, where you know she was in a cult, managed to get free, but still ha- drew on the you know the patron's power, and we got around to this arc where the cult had sort of come back up again, so you know naturally she's intrigued she goes into it but she meets this uh, the person she escaped with who i guess she relied on but it was always established that that character was not as it was, a, it was a toxic relationship in the sense that she depended on this character who was not as interested in you know giving back uh so this arc happens and at the end of it she essentially it as it leads on and on and on and on she eventually just decides to cut ties with this she's been multi-classing into wizard and she just cuts ties at like level eight nine warlock and just is full on just a level three wizard for a good time and she was committed to this and it was such a good arc and you know there's that story of overcoming the essentially the abuser In in some ways, this sort of overbearing evil in your life, and it was great to see her commit so strongly. Because so many players would be like, "I I don't want to lose seven levels," right? Um, And then, especially when it was like, so it was near endgame, so she she was doing this like real close to the end, and I was like, like, "I was like, this is brave." You're going up against very strong things, but the way that her character then progressed sort of led into essentially taking her own fate and being willing to break free and control her own narrative and it just so happens that i have a homebrew fate warlock so i was like well it gave us this real nice moment where she explored this you know this temple found all these memories had this uh, metaphorical confrontation with her sort of old self and it turned out it reflected some of the sort of mirrored and sort of inverted some of the themes of her story it was accidental a lot of it i, I just it was like oh this sounds great this sounds great right. i'm writing it down and then afterwards she was like oh you did this 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 perfectly mirrors this and i was like yeah yeah yep. sure. <laughs> yeah of course that was all me but definitely that's,
1: not happenstance that's what i don't mean. know i think i think sometimes the the dungeons master's guide may work through us in ways yeah. that we don't necessarily <laughs>
0: comprehend <laughs> but uh, so it goes into your point that like it's not just the dm that needs to trust sometimes the players if you some dms may just be like no you know this is ridiculous don't do that you'll be a level three going into end game what, what are you doing uh but if you just trust the players and let their them control their characters how you know true to themselves it can create some absolutely wonderful meaningful moments and it's just that's the joy of the game
1: no, that is, that is an awesome anecdote. And I, so how do you deal with a player that is, I mean, I think my first instinct would be to slowly allow them to like replace their warlock levels with like pick up wizard levels at accelerated rate kind of backwards. Um, <laughs> I would probably try to do anything I could to like, did you cut their hp all the way down oh no like no, no, no. Kept, okay okay like she kept the HP. like what do you what do you keep what do you drop
0: just yeah. abilities and spells so basically for all intents and purposes she was still that level 11 12 character she just didn't have warlock features okay. she still had uh any you know any item that worked. like she had magical items and to be fair a lot of the party were like oh we need to help you you know right here are, here are things or you know aid in that in that uh sort of, I guess, make up for the the lack of warlock that's now there, though I also gave her a, a wand that just does magic, while magic, so yeah. Brave. A little boost <laughs> it, it Depends, it, it mostly Maybe. did work It could for be a boost <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She always got the bad ones, it turns out Yeah. But, yeah, know, it, it was just literally level 3 wizard features But I knew that she still wanted to sort of lean back into the warlock at some point i think so i i was always willing to go into that route but if you wanted to explore more wizardry um she got to meet to get a bit into the lore of my world there are five forbidden forgotten schools of magic depending who you ask and they're very rare there's only one master of each they it's essentially like the sith in star wars okay. they, there's yeah. the master there's the apprentice you never really get more and you just share it with an apprentice then you perish they then take on the mantle so she essentially got that route as well so she got to explore one of these powerful forbidden schools of um ethermancy, which is just like void magic so you could just that's implode really cool. people
1: right yeah so that was that like
0: <laughs> so that was like her option if she if she steered that way but like i said she took this usually timid and cowardly character um and that's what she would say i'm not just dissing and dunking no no her. no for sure And she demanded answers from everything at that point. And she sort of followed answers and took it into her own hands. And that's, you know, led to this back into the Warlock at the end of the day.
1: That's really cool. That's that's an awesome experience. And I think that that's, again, just shows like, you know, the, the player having trust in you to be able to handle this situation and be in a fair kind of manner, but also kind of, you know, warning them that, that this is where you're going and it we may find a way out of it. You may find yeah. a way out of it, but it's it's going to be there for a while. It's not yeah. going to be tomorrow that you're just magically fixed. Oh, exactly. So now I think that's a really cool experience. Um, I, I do want to kind of shift gears a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it wouldn't be Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't talk a little bit about food. Yes. Um. And and in my opinion, D and D is a very uh, food centric experience, whether it be snacks or making meals for people. I've played a lot of home games. I lived with half of my players for for a long time. Um. In my early college days, so I had a lot of that. But I feel like with you starting online, that you're probably not as <laughs> snack table oriented as
0: i may be <laughs> see it's that and also the fact that i start my games at like midnight my time mm. so i'm my ritual is like a bowl of cereal before game <laughs> <laughs> and then caffeine so yeah no i don't i don't have that sort of strong tie with food all right all right food. but what's the cereal of choice oh I, i'm i'm a fan of all cereal pretty much okay. I, I, won't, I i'm not a picky man yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, then outside of D&D, um, mm. you know, what's your relationship to food? Are you, are you a cook? Do you cook a, at all? Are you, you know, do you have
0: a favorite style or brand of food? So I'm not a cook. I have, I so I have a bit of a controversial opinion on cooking, I think. I don't know. I don't all know. Right. My, my <laughs> Essentially, and this is just because I, I feel like I'm so busy or either busy or lazy. They're the two modes I'm in. So I'm always like, if it takes me longer to cook it, and than it does to eat it, I'm I'm just not about that life. So I I just love you know shoving something in the oven for thirty minutes and eating it. However, if I'm you know with people, I I want to cook for people is the is the thing, and I don't get the opportunity too much. But I have, in the last year, I tried making a couple dishes that, you know, before that I made maybe steak, and pancakes you know i've never really gone too far out of uh, i've heard
1: of chicken and waffles but i
0: think i need to try steak not the same it was no not i the same know time. i know you didn't mean that but
1: i actually want to try it now
0: because i think that's a
1: that's a decadence that may need to may need to be so would done. you
0: would you have the pancake just sort of laying lovely across, along the steak or would the, the steak? like be a but it, it could, maybe a bed for the steak is a pan, a like a sandwich like
1: oh, that I may be going think. too far. Yeah, might that be, go- be going-
0: no. <laughs> I might have got. I might have no. Just cut this. Cut this. We do a chicken.
1: <laughs> we do a chicken fried steak. Only we mm-hmm. use pancake batter. Okay, that's that. Yeah, that's that fair. could that's work. No, <laughs> back um, in. Brought it back in. Back
0: in. Uh, I've made. Um, I, I tried to make chicken biryani, which uh, it went. It went okay, but the the one dish that I ended up making I that I don't know my I made it for my mom and dad. And then my mom's made it a few times since so it must have been a hit
1: that's always um, the best
0: I, I literally just saw in the humble bundle like this cookbook collection i was like oh why not I, i've never sure. cooked before sure buy it so I, I it's like world foods and i was like oh what's kashari and I, I don't know if you've come across kashari it's no, not uh, heard that one. an egyptian dish i had to make a note just so i remember what's in it because <laughs> so i went from like you know one pan at most one pan in, or maybe two this is this had me using all four hobs. I was all over the place. You basically have, and it, it sounds a bit weird on on paper, at least, you know, for, in my opinion, but I guess that's just the sort of culture I've grown up in. I mean, we're English. You know, there's a bit of a reputation with English food it's not the best. I mean, I like it, but, what, you know. I, grew I mean, up I like it too, but it, it can be kind of bland <laughs> yes. at times. I mean, there's a reason why... There aren't english take- i guess there's fish and chips but there's usually not english takeaways it's usually right. other, you know nicer uh foods but no you go into uh rice lentils pasta so already it's very carb like heavy i mean
1: it's it sounds already sounds great it's right up yes. my alley <laughs> um,
0: but then you have this yeah well you throw onions in and there's this tomato sauce that has some onions sort of mixed into it as well uh, but the, the premise is that you cook the lentils in this, like, I think it's white wine vinegar for a bit. You soak them in, um, cook them, and then you use that same water and boil the rice in it so that it sort of seeps up that sort of acidic. So you're
1: layering the flare, yeah. flavor now.
0: Uh, so then when you've cooked all that, the lentils, you know, made the sauce with the onions, you sort of, you know, put a bed of rice, sprinkle some, um, vermicelli Pasta is the one that I used, but I guess you can use any pasta. I saw one recipe, that was macaroni, but essentially noodley pasta worked really well. Spring, you know, just put the uh, sauce on top of that and then the lentils on top of that. And it's actually really good. It fills you up as well. And I mean, it's an Egyptian national dish, so it must wow. be doing something right. Yeah, yeah that sounds incredible. It's, it's really good. I'm not, no, I think, vegetarian food. But <laughs>
1: hey, yeah. I there's a lot of ways that I, I think that Vegetarian gets a bad rap just because the name is is not really necessarily descriptive of the types of food. Like it can be, but like vegetarian sounds like salad only. Mm. Yeah. And that is not what vegetarian means. (laughs) Yeah. It's so varied. But you you do bring up a good point, which I I actually, you may kind of think of it as a little bit of a hot take, but I I kind of agree with you is that when I'm by myself, Mm. I do not leverage my cooking skills (laughs) because i i I want to leverage that time by myself yes so i will whatever can you know instant pizza you know instant noodles (laughs) whatever can cook on its own without destroying itself yes in a way that especially if i get caught in a match online or you know whatever i'm doing a boss fight that I took three times more than it should have to beat that it's not going to burn my house down as long as that if that can happen you know automated timers that shut things off perfect yes. i'll get to you when
0: i'm ready <laughs> oh, exactly and you know what frozen pizzas the heroes i would say they, really are. They, they, they really are they really i i They're had so one good. for lunch <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna have one tomorrow like before D. of course yes
1: no, that's a uh, yeah. So it's, but I mean, but I also agree that like if I'm cooking for somebody else, though, then it's like, well, now I can have fun. Now that, mm. now there's somebody to talk to while there's something to, it's interesting for me to do while, while cooking or being yeah. able to offer kind of a, a cool experience for somebody else or make an Egyptian national meal, <laughs> which I'm
0: going to have to try out soon. So, oh, yes. I mean, if you want the recipe, I could, I could send you yeah. the one I used. Um, That'd be awesome. Uh, I'll be more than happy to share with that with, with you. I, I, I raved sure. about this dish for so long. I was so proud of it. I mean, I would not talk while making it because that ugh, the concentration I was I was just hy- hyper focused any, any slip up and I would something would have gone wrong. Right. That's like
1: kind of like making a, a mole or uh, or even like a bone broth or something where yeah. the number of steps and the amount of effort that goes into it. There's I don't know, though, for for me, sometimes a really complex dish I can make look easy Mm. because I can just because I am so worried about the steps in the process that I'm paying a lot of attention, even if I'm holding a conversation. It's when I do like hamburger helper or like (laughs) pasta Roni that I think, oh, I don't really have to pay attention to this that's when i burn it all to the to a crisp at the bottom like like burning and scorching milk and <laughs> noodles like that's when i ruin a meal is when i'm too confident yeah the overconfidence that... <laughs> yes it's, it's the folly. Like, it's just all... i've i've made meals that take multiple days to cook this is hamburger helper come on
0: <laughs> <laughs> how could i go wrong
1: right how and could yet? this and again <laughs> is the player's folly of yes. what could possibly go wrong <laughs>
0: Well, exactly. It's it's just that um, as soon as overconfidence comes into anything, it becomes You're, fa- you're set up for failure. I, I think right. that's. I think that is the case, unfortunately.
1: And I think that as a you know bringing it back to D D as a player, yes. it's easy to get overconfident because you see all of your abilities. You're o- all. Yeah. You only see your character sheet, which makes you think I can tackle and plan for anything. You don't see the nat ones that are gonna roll you see the plus tens and the plus fives and the abilities that you they are in the six level spells so but but on the other end of that as a dm i think there are ways in which a dm can get overconfident as well and have you experienced any
0: of that probably i guess it depends on the context because if it's in game and sort of i'm throwing this at my players they're going to it's going to be a tough fight and then it's not been it happens way often so often so right. so often uh i don't think from like sort of a meta standpoint like as a dm i'm like i can do this and then fail i guess one time it happened but that was uh i i went into a one shot trying to experiment heavily and it didn't it backed it backfired but uh it's a learning experience nonetheless but no definitely in the case of this combat will be Either too hard, too difficult, uh, or too easy, and then it's been the complete opposite. That's happened to me plenty of times, for sure. That's fair. That's actually really. That's probably one of the more common examples.
1: I think um, I've definitely had it happen. Where I think I I think the other example is like when you give kind of a mundane magical item that's like non combat, and you're like, "There's no way." that they're going to use this. To dest- <laughs> and it's like, we're using it to kill the BBEG a year later when you've forgotten about it. Yes. That's when that <laughs> item
0: gets used. No, I don't think I've had anything quite like that. They, they, my plays have thrown me through a loop with something before. And there's always that bit where it's like, I've got a question. DM, I've got a question. And you just know, <laughs> what have they come up no, with? No, no. <laughs> the answer <laughs> like, is no, whatever it is. I, I already don't like where this is going. And then you hear like, you know this thing, this in... Like this thing that you would not find suspicious at all. And I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> what have they <I> done?
1: <laughs> How? How have you made it? How <laughs> yeah. have you turned this
0: against me? <laughs> yes. So that, that that happens. But I couldn't think of any specific examples. Been Create food and water oh. is a spell that has
1: ended up having more combat examples than non-combat ones. I, I would love to know. Uh, if you uh, basically never allow your players to pick the food. You think that thematically it fits that the players get to pick the food, mm. but it creates what, like 40 pounds of yes. a food. And so uh, I've, I've spoken with a couple other people on this about um what 40 pounds, what type of volume and how much obscurement can 40 pounds of cotton candy create? Mm. Cause it fills the space. So can I fill an alleyway with it? Um, how, how difficult would it be to move through forty pounds of peanut butter? <laughs> um, like it's going to be bland and flavorless, but that doesn't mean that it's like forty pounds of uh, oranges, yeah. uh, you know, like the things to roll on, or forty pounds of frozen peas. <laughs> like now we have you know caltrops essentially. Like there's a there's a lot of ways in which you know marshmallow fluff, kind of the example from earlier, it's mm-hmm. sticky. So like, can it, can it be rough terrain? Can we cast it behind us so that they can't get through quickly? (laughs) Like,
0: no. (laughs) I mean, could you essentially gelatinous cube with cotton candy?
1: Pretty much.
0: It's about, it's a lot, it's a lot of cotton candy. (laughs) I sincerely hope that my, if my players do listen, because I I do like to share this with like any, any podcast with them, I hope they don't listen to this bit. I hope they do not discover this horrible horror. Well, luckily, it'll be a ways from when we record yes. it
1: to when, to when it's coming out. However, uh, if they become long-term listeners and make it to your episode, then it's mm. I would reward them by letting them know. But that's me. <laughs> Can you suffocate an opponent by filling a 20-foot cube space with cotton candy? <laughs>
0: that is a question i never thought i would ask or yeah hear it. um, <laughs> it's
1: not it's a far day de- like i don't think i think rules is written you don't get to pick the food yeah um but i think that thematically a lot of dms let their players yeah pick yeah. but once you open that door you can't close it <laughs> and exactly. it becomes a very dangerous spell
0: i only found out that like conjure animals or whatever it's called uh that that's dm pick because i was like i've always just mm-hmm. let people do that right I'm like damn you've no, you have no,
1: you don't a... summon an elephant 40 yeah. feet in the air <laughs> i was like
0: yeah you you keep picking the perfect thing what if i just give you fish now how, mm-hmm. how about that but no I, I won't go that bad but yeah i found <laughs> that out like the other week and i was like ah, oh, one of my druids loves that spell huh yep so we'll see <laughs> Time to time to inform them
1: to please yeah. read aloud your spell's text.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's happened a few times as well, where it's everybody just agrees that this is how the spell works. Yeah. And you know, six months later we go, whoa, 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 whoa. I finally think you've hit the limit of this because yeah. this doesn't seem like it should be so powerful for a second mm. or third level spell.
0: Let's all read it together and we all go, Oh. Yep. <laughs> There was that word missing from my my mental imagination of this um this one spell a target creature <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Our designer language is very specific for a yep. reason
1: that you can see <laughs> oh yeah. that changes things
0: <laughs> oh man though I, I did just think then like uh when you said you know we sort of go with this unwritten sort of thing what if it was like instead of raw or rules as written it was rules as i mean as in intended but unwritten rules as you know something like that i don't know i can't think of it this no i definitely rules, i mean I, I, there
1: we go right rules as unwritten i think yeah. that that's a i think that that just leans into the, the the trusted dm yeah and you start getting into a game that doesn't need dice Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that's a perfectly fine. There's a lot of systems that are built Mm. upon that. Like fate is one that's kind of everybody writes it as it goes. Yes. And it, you know, everybody is involved in writing the bad guy in the background and the world and the players. And, and the DM gets to write things into the players as much as the players get to write things into the world. And I think that that's a a great way to play. Mm. I think that, and there's just as much, there's times where, yeah, the spell technically says we can't do this, but we make the. This is yeah. our game of pretend tag. Exactly, and so we can we could play freeze tag, we could play rainbow tag, we could play Dungeons & Dragons tag. That's yeah. the only difference. Well, Eldritch
0: blast doesn't only hits creatures. That's the one thing that.
1: Oh, so you yeah. can't use it on like to break open but a lock?
0: Yeah, I found that out, and I'm like, this rule is silly. You're sending a force of magic at something, but it, yeah. it says in the spell. You you know you target a creature or, or along those lines. Huh. As far as I'm aware, the, yeah, that's a
1: yeah. Of course i i I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge you if you're wrong. Let <laughs> the internet do that. Yes. I don't need to Google right now. I don't. I, but Just no, there that. are a lot of them that are Maybe. that are that have similar things like that. And I believe it. I believe that you know. Again, that's the designers spend a lot of time trying to to proof a lot of things. Uh, sometimes whether that's their intent or not doesn't cuz i mean editors don't always you know catch everything yeah. they can't catch every rule playtesters can't catch every rule so there's tons of things that slip through that may not have been intended in raw uh but i think just as much there may be some things that are raw that may not be intended that way or yeah. you know so oh exactly well before we head on off of here i would always like to give uh you know we're kind of running close to time And I want to make sure to offer the floor to you uh, if there's any topics that we haven't discussed, if there are anything that you want, anybody that you want to give a shout out to or anything that you would like to say uh, to the public before we head on over to the Patreon exclusive time, uh, the floor is yours.
0: Oh, that's that's so freeing. Uh, (laughs) Mostly, I'd like to sort of shout out to everyone that's. I'm doing a collaborative uh, one-shot compendium myself at the moment, uh, and we sort of touched upon like my love of them. So of course, naturally, I'm, I'm like, yes, I, I have to make one myself. But I'd like to shout out everyone that's working on that. I've got some of my players. I open the floor to them. They've not necessarily had experience writing official content, but they've come into it with enthusiasm, and honestly, they've done a pretty good job. And some cool people on Twitter have also joined in. So I'd like to give them a shout out, really, and just say that that's, it's, it's a fun project so far. Um, and hopefully it turns out to be fun to play through. I think it will be. And Well, if it's a compendium, then yes. uh,
1: there's, there's again, like we said, there's got to be something in there for everyone sort of
0: thing. Well, see, here's, here's the twist on that. Instead of it Ooh. being you make, you know, standard adventurers, it's called turning the tables and you play as different creatures from D&D. So we've Ooh. got um, my adventure is Etta Caps. You get to play as Etta Caps. That's that's what an underused monster. See, I have never used I them. Love them. <laughs> I completely agree with you, but um, I love them. I I love. I read through their lore and I was like, oh, this stuff here. Uh, we've got someone that's giving you the absolute power of being a purple worm. Uh, which yes, I was looking at. It's a bit of a spoiler, but it'll be out by by the time this episode <laughs> comes out. But for strength and constitution, instead of it being the standard, you know, three or four d6, you roll, it's 66. Because obviously they are very powerful. Oh, yeah, creatures. they're big. And you're yeah. huge sized. So you just mm-hmm. get to be a, a, a worm and just destroy things. Um, we've got some unseelie hags that get to uh, have some mischief and competition. So we've we've really got a massive bag of creatures. Uh, so there'll be nine of those. So that's that's the sort of twist. So it's a bit of a out there. Uh, I get
1: a little one-shot. Trogdor Berninator feel from that, if that reference rings. No. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a silly dragons burning down the countryside. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, it all started because, slight tangent. I did a vampire one-shot where you get to play as vampires breaking out of the jail. And I thought, oh, that's cool. oh, so, you know, what if, and that was a blast to run. Every Every group I ran it with, it was just so much fun and everyone seemed to enjoy it. So i thought what if there were more and literally i mean if you're gonna gonna be murder
1: hobos why not be purple worm murder hobos exactly (laughs) it's
0: it's also an it's an opportunity also to explore the lore of these creatures and maybe give a different side of their story though a lot of it is down to just being eating peasants
1: yeah (laughs) there's
0: a lot of peasant eating (laughs) But yeah, that, that's that's as far as it goes for like shoutouts at the time being. I, I that think, that's, you know. that
1: sounds really awesome. I'm really interested. Please keep us in the loop. Of course, I know you're pretty vocal of it on Twitter. Um, the at Dungeons and Dan's. Yes, uh, there'll be links in the description and the show notes as well. Um, so, Danny K, thank you so much for joining us, and for everybody else out there, we'll see you on Patreon uh, shortly. Thank you very much. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. All of the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you'll find that I'm most active on Twitter at and dinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show or interested in the entire backlog of exclusive bonus mini episodes, like today's mini episode with Danny featuring a secret red sauce chicken pie story, or you're just interested in helping keep this podcast ad free, consider tossing some coins over to patreon.com slash dungeons and dinners. If you're looking for another great podcast to listen to, I suggest my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long form podcast about why video gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you and remember that love is this secret ingredient.
0: Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.